You're listening to World of Empowerment Radio, your station for practical spirituality in a changing world. And here are your hosts, Angel Rose and Ahanu. Okay, you're very, very welcome. My name is Ahanu, and you're very welcome to this session of the Honest to God series on World of Empowerment Radio. Now, a few weeks ago, we had a wonderful lady on our show by the name of Linda Kay. And we spoke with Linda about cake for breakfast, of all things. It was actually all about feng shui. And I'd love you to go back and listen to that because it was a very lighthearted and fun conversation about the benefits of feng shui, but also the little things that happen in your life that you can accumulate great wealth and prosperity and abundance all from simple little things that you can do. And it was a very fun exercise. And we had a lot of feedback actually from that, which was very good and very positive. And today though, we want to introduce a far more serious subject and it is the subject about breast cancer. And the topic actually is something that's been dictated by her and she calls it herself, don't call me a cancer survivor. So we have Angel Rose with us in the studio as usual, and we also have Linda Kay. You're very, very welcome. So good afternoon or good morning, everybody. We're going to tackle this very important subject today, actually, because this subject does affect many women today, and there is a lot to know about it and a lot to learn. And Linda Kay has, um, would it be safe to say you've healed yourself of cancer, Linda? I got over it. She got over it. Okay, so she's got a reason why she doesn't want to be called a cancer survivor, and we're going to let her take the floor because this is her forte. So, Linda, welcome back to our show. Thank you. Well, it isn't easy to talk about a sensitive subject like cancer, and especially if somebody's just newly going through it. It's pretty scary, and it was for me. However, the reason I don't want to be called a cancer survivor is because it's my belief system that it gives the cancer too much power. I don't survive pneumonia. I don't survive a broken ankle. Uh I get over it. That's a good point. Okay? (laughs) And so I refuse to be called that. I will not wear the pink ribbons. I will not donate to the American Cancer Society, etc. And there's a lot of reasons for that because of the experiences that I went through. And it's 2010, initially, it was when this hit in my life, and um, actually, it was a surprise to a lot of people to find out that when I discovered that I had a lump, um, I continued to watch a television show, movie that I was watching on a Sunday afternoon by myself, and I realized the minute I discovered it, that it No doubt in my mind that it was cancer, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I didn't choose to fall apart or get upset. I chose to watch the end of my movie, and when my husband returned home that afternoon, I just quietly sat down with him and said, we we have something new to deal with, and he's a a pilot so he he doesn't overreact because you you wouldn't be a good pilot if you did Mm -hmm. so he was calm as I was and he and he said we'll get through this and I I just knew that we would the next morning I had to go to work but the boss that I had at the time was someone who had had breast cancer and gotten through it so I immediately called her and asked her for her input. I said, you know, I, I, what's the first step you do after you find a lump, you know, and so forth. And she was, she went into high gear. That was her mode anyway of anything. She was wonderful. She gave me a list of things to do. And, you know, believe it or not, she gave me one of the best pieces of advice of, and it's such a simple thing. But she said, the first thing you do is get yourself a little notebook or a steno pad or something to write on that's attached and connected. And you begin today with the date and everything you do. Phone calls you make, you know, whoever you contact for 
anything, any part of this process. Because someday you're going to want that information and you're not going to remember it and you're going to have to look all over for it. And if it's all in a notebook in chronological order, it will make a huge difference for you. Well, she was so correct. What purpose would that have served, though? Well, there were times when I had to find uh, who I had contacted about something or when did I have a, a, a PET scan or what what you know process, uh, medical process I went through. Right. I have to report it to the next doctor or the next situation. Okay. And it turned out I had uh, a, a reoccurrence of the cancer uh, two years after I got mm -hmm. through the first time. And that little notebook was invaluable because how are you going to remember what you did, who you talked to, who your contact person was and so forth and what processes you went through. I mean, a lot of it's a blur in my mind to this day because when yes. you're going through it, you're just trying to get through it and survive through yeah. it, you know. But you know, you put a very effective name on this session by saying don't call me a cancer survivor and you have beautifully explained why that is the case. But also, you said that you you got through it. Now, mm -hmm. most people, and you know, we know a few people who have had this diagnosis. It it is another shock to them. It's a total, total traumatic shock. Mm -hmm. They actually go into a decline just right. with the news, even the sound of the word. Mm -hmm. When they they don't even want to say cancer or the big C, they might call it. Right. So they don't want to face it head on. So how did you manage to? face this issue and take it so calmly and go on to your watch the rest of your movie I mean it's a I just believed that it was something more I had to deal with when the time came I mean I wasn't I didn't I never said why me I never uh, got upset over it yeah. I got upset over how I was treated through it but I was not upset over the whole issue because we all have something to deal with. My goodness, mm -hmm. I mean, we have losses of, of loved ones, we have mm -hmm. illnesses, we have uh, losses of, of jobs, all kinds of things happen to people in their mm -hmm. lifetime. It's just, it's just part of the process of being a, in human form on this earth. Yes. And that's how I always kind of accepted it. So yeah. you would say though that your attitude do you think that your attitude went a long way toward you 100%. getting over it? Yes, yeah. absolutely. So, yeah. so tell us what you did next then. Tell us what happened. Well, interesting. I went ahead and followed what they called, I didn't know this term before then, standard of care. And um, I went through all the processes. I got the ultrasound um, biopsy and I did the, then I was sent to someone to get a lumpectomy and so forth. I went through the process up to a point and it was all standard of care. Well, what's a lumpectomy? When they actually take out the lump? They take the lump portion and leave the rest of the tissue as much as they can. Um, it was a triple negative breast cancer. Um, what's that mean? I don't it, know what that means. Yeah. Well, you know what? You and the doctors are not alone. They don't know what it means either. Uh, what they told <laughs> oh me, what they told me that if it was estrogen or progesterone-based, whatever, caused by the too much estrogen or whatever, which most of the, I guess, breast cancers are, uh, they would know how to handle it or what to do for it. But I was told, not by one, but a number of different doctors, that triple negative, they're not quite sure what causes it, and it's one of those cancers that once you get rid of it, it easily comes back and returns. It's mm. like got a, it's famous for that. Mm. Well, I didn't need to hear all that, but you know that's the way it is. If the doctor doesn't know what causes it, how, you know what am I going to do? So I went to a point. I got through the surgery for all this, and the next step, logical step, was you go for chemo. In my situation, that's what they told me. So you were in the mainstream Western medical system point. at mm -hmm. that point. Yeah. Well, okay. part of it was because I had health insurance that paid for that. Right. That is a lot of the reason people yes. go yes. for conventional treatment right. is because their insurance will cover that's it. Absolutely, yeah. It's important for us to, to yeah. see that, though. Yeah. Go and ahead. so when I 
was going to go for chemo, they told me I needed to have a port put in my chest. Mm -hmm. So because the, the your veins, evidently if the chemo goes through normal blood veins, it can be very hard on them and deteriorate them and so forth and cause all kinds of problems. So it's better, they say, to go through a port. They put it in your chest and then it goes directly into your system. Mm -hmm. And um, so I just happened to ask the question of my surgeon, um, are there any down parts to this, you know? Yeah. To having a port. To having a port put in. I said, is there any cause for concern? He says, not really. He, he brushed it off and then he says, well, occasionally we puncture a lung, but we can fix it. And that's oh about God. as casual as he put it. And I'm sitting there Jeez. thinking, you're talking about my lung. I don't want it punctured, you know? I was <laughs> devastated. When I left the office that day, I, I was crushed. I was, I, that was the one moment that I was, you know, a little bit concerned about what was going to happen next. So I went home, and it was a Thursday. I was supposed to go in on Monday for the port. And it was a Thursday morning, and my dear friend I've known 40 years called from Montana and said, I just saw some information on the television about this book. You've got to get it. Now, she isn't the type of person that normally would say I had to do something because she knows I kind of bristle at that anyway. don't want to be told I have to. She said, absolutely, you've got to go right now. She said, I would send it to you, except there's no time because she knew I was moving forward. She said, you got to do it right now. So I said, okay. Well, the book of all... Now, you have to picture this. For several weeks, I had been given so many books. I think that that was a way people dealt with knowing someone who had cancer, that if you give them a book, you've done something to help them, but you haven't had to really deal with what they're going through, I think. And I had all these books, and I wasn't going to read any of them. I mean, some of them were horribly hard to follow. They were so technical. Yeah. However, when Judy said to go get this book, I kind of laughed because it was by Suzanne Summers. Well, she was an actress. What does she know about cancer, right? right, right. Well, the book was Knockout. And uh, it was uh, interviews with, with doctors who were curing cancer. And she had done her research, and Judy convinced me that I had to go get the book. Well, it was a half-hour drive to the next town where we had a bookstore where I was living. So I went down and got the book. What's the name of it? Knockout. 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 <clears throat> and it was um, written... Uh, evidently, Suzanne Summers had gone through a scare with cancer and um, initially went through some medical stuff that caused her to want to do more research and get this information out of what's going on for re real situations like this through the medical system we have. Well, I started reading it on Friday morning. And I'm not a fast reader, but I read... And I read for two days. Well, the information in that book, if a person was facing cancer, they only read the first half of the book, it would be valuable. It explains situations such, and the one, the one statistic I always will remember, it said 30% of all of our hospitals in the United States would be out of business if it weren't for chemo. Oh my God. Cancer is a big business. Yes. It's a huge business. Why would they want to find a cure yeah, yeah, for yeah. it? In reality, yes. it's, it's, it's lining the pocketbooks of a lot of people yes. that are involved. But don't let me cut, you, cut across you there or stop you, but I would love to bring Angie Rose in because didn't you have an experience of how somebody wanted to get you into the, the whole monetary system with breast cancer? and the treatment of it and all of that in the mainstream medical. Well, they I won't tell that story because it'll take up too much of Linda's time, but they wanted me to, you know, I, I went in for a mammogram. They discovered a tiny nodule. They wanted to do a biopsy right then and there, and I said no, and the radiologist literally freaked out at me mm -hmm. that I did mm -hmm. not want to say yes to a biopsy at that moment. After he already told me, from the ultrasound that he thought it was benign just from looking at it. Mm. 
So he was in this huge hurry to get a biopsy, to get me going in. And, you know, I chose to do different things. Um, you know, I went and had another uh, test. I had a thermography with a naturopath, which revealed no aggressive cells. So it was very different. I mean, I did follow up mm-hmm. in a different way. But um, the, his reaction, I think, is what shocked me the most. The guy was literally out of control wanting me, you know, the fact that I was going to leave the ho- the hospital, go home and think about it or talk it over mm. with you. I mean, the, the guy freaked. He wanted to get you into the system. He wanted right to get me then. in there and even sent a nurse in and had her tell me that I was stage two uh, precancerous and when he had just told me that he didn't think it was anything. So Gosh. the whole thing was very manipulative, very fear-based. And thankfully, I just had my wits about me and said, you know, no, I'm going to go home and think about this. Wow, that's so, admirable. But it's also very <clears throat> difficult, though, in fairness, for a woman to be diagnosed like that and to keep her wits about her at the same time. Right. Yeah. So how did how did you manage with that? Well, reading the book gave me an insight that I hadn't had. It gave me some statistics and facts and okay. backed up by doctor's comments as mm. as well as the statistics and mm. I had my eyes opened so yes. to speak mm. and realized wait a minute you know I'm not comfortable with getting a port put in I'm not comfortable with this chemo thing I had gone to an oncologist that was recommended that I was being set up with and I have a witness because my husband was with me or else I don't think anyone would believe this but I had never met him before. He had copies of some of my records. He knew I was there to set up for chemo because that's what he did at his office. And he sat down with Norm and myself and said, there's actually you know, four different protocols we could follow. He explained with the terminology of the chemo poisons they wanted to use on me, and the length of time each one would take and the process, like one was every other you know, week or one was twice a week or one was last six months, one, you know, all that. They threw it all at me, all four, with all different chemo combinations and looked at me. This is so true. He looked right at me and said, now, which one do you think you'd like to have? And now I'm not really, you know, that dense, I'm sitting there going to myself. None of them. Aren't you, or aren't you the expert? Don't you know yeah, what yeah. would help me get over this yes, and through yes, it? Yes, yes, yes. And I is was, there not any alternative at all? Oh, it's either one of the four yeah. of these. But yeah. he was asking me my opinion. Mm-hmm. I've never had cancer before, Doc. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't know what I need, mm-hmm. I don't want you. Yeah. So I left the office. I looked at Norma saying, going back. And he said, I don't blame you easy. He said, I wouldn't let you. So that was how we led up to the, the port situation. I read this book, yeah. got up at 4.30 Sunday morning and read some more again because I was reading about different doctors who had different systems and where they were located. And there happened to be one in Reno, Nevada, and which was only three hours drive from where we lived at the time. And what I loved was Dr. Forsythe was an oncologist. I did want someone who knew how to deal with cancer because it was my first experience, but he was also a homeopathic doctor. And with both credentials, I thought I had the best of both worlds. I had the standard of care and I had the, the natural, more natural approach. And what he did, and I don't remember the exact terminology of it, but it's where they give you insulin to drop your blood sugar level. Cancer feeds on sugar. So when your blood sugar level drops, the cancer cells open up looking for sugar and, the, and he uses a 10% dosage of chemo and the 10% can zap the, the um, cancer cell because it opens up to it. Right. But here's the, here's the exciting part. Before he gives you anything, he takes your blood samples and sends them off for, for chemosensitivity test. Believe it or not, and this was just a few years ago, 
the only place to have that test was either in Greece or in Germany. Wow. Yeah. Not in, the, not in our great United States. Yeah. Heaven forbid if you would figure out chemosensitivity. Yeah. Yeah. You take the, the Petri dishes and put the drop of blood in them and you yeah. test it with against all the available chemos and they watch to see which is the most aggressive on your particular cancer. Wow. Now, does that not make sense? Yes, yes, yes. Everyone should be doing that. Yeah, 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 not yeah. Germany and yeah. Greece by themselves. Now they're asking you which recipe you want. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and which was just mind-boggling to me. And um, so I went to Dr. James Forsythe. He is, he has a book, several books out. One of them is on the ultimate guide to natural health. And James Forsythe went through all kinds of problems trying to uh, do this kind of care for cancer patients. The wonderful government we have um, came in and took away uh, his computer and records and literally almost, I think they tried to throw him in jail, I don't know, because he was curing people of cancer. Can you imagine? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we but, can imagine. But yeah. apparently... you. you Nobody is allowed to use the word cure. No. You know, so this is all part well, of Well, he went through a horrible time period in his career mm. trying to help people like myself. And he got through it. And he has a clinic in Reno, Nevada. So I, it was Sunday morning. I'll never forget. It was about 6.30. I'd been reading for a while. And Norm walks in. And I looked up at him. And it still makes me emotional. I just remember saying to him, I'm going to Reno. And I called the hospital and t told a big fat lie that I had the flu and couldn't make the appointment in the morning because I, I didn't want to have surgery if I was sick, right? Mm. So I said, no, I can't come. So they, I got out of that. And instead, I called Reno and made an appointment and started with Dr. Forsythe and had the chemosensitivity testing done. I spent three weeks up there, and then he gives you all kinds of infusions like they found when they did my blood work that my body particularly uh, worked well with vitamin C. So I'd get a vitamin C drip every other day while I was up there. I lived there in a little apartment for three weeks and I went in every day and did everything. They had a nutritionist on staff. I started supplements. I found out how important it was to have certain things like green tea is highly recommended. And they um, explained to me how to how to uh, to do all this. You should have seen the, the dining room table in the apartment I was renting. It was just full of all these supplements and I take this in the morning, this at noon, and this at night. I mean, I was but quite a... But natural though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, of course, I already ate a very uh, exceptionally clean diet uh, mm. pretty much and uh, believed, I always believed in the natural approach and eating things that were more purely grown and... and uh, you know, I knew I was taking good care of myself that way, but I didn't have all these different supplements and things. Mm -hmm. And for three weeks, I stayed there, and then they started me on chemo. Well, you have to understand that I probably wouldn't be talking to you today had I gone forward with 100% chemo treatment like everybody wanted mm -hmm. because I had chemo two days. Second day... I got so sick, and I'm only getting 10% dosage. Gosh. I was so sick for the next three days that I remember saying at one point to Norm, would you just put me in the car and drive up to the top of the highest cliff you can find and push me off? Oh I mean, I didn't want to go on. I was yes. that ill. Yeah. From the 10% chemo, I want to remind people it was 10%. Well, speaking of reminding, let's remind our listeners. We're uh, speaking with Linda Kay who has developed with us now this session, this episode called Don't Call Me a Cancer Survivor. And it's about overcoming or getting over cancer, a 
two times actually you've, yes. you've gotten over it. Yeah. I had another session. And before we go to a quick little studio break, let me just look at the back page of James W. Forsyth's book, The Doctor You Mentioned in Reno, Nevada. And it says, did you know that corn silk can dissolve kidney stones or that honey can clear up acne? Have you ever used zinc and vitamin E supplements to increase sexual arousal? These are just a few of the ideas you'll find in this indispensable guide, the ultimate guide to natural cures quick reference. Has today's hottest natural treatments for an array of problems, from arthritis to the common cold, from jet lag to diabetes, from stress to heart disease, all in a simple alphabetized directory. And it's a very sweet little book and we will actually put a link to it below this episode because it looks like to be very, very practical and sensible. So we're going to take a short little break and when we come back we want to talk specifically about the feeling that you had from taking that 10% dosage of the chemo. So let's take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to A World of Empowerment Service from Angel Rose and Ahanu. Angel Rose and Ahanu are a twin flame couple who devote their lives to helping you grow in spiritual awareness in an awakening world. Drawing on over 50 years of combined experience and expertise in self-mastery and ascension mechanics, they bring practical spirituality into a fast-changing world so you can find truth and inner happiness. Anne Gale's spiritual journey began when she was just 19 after the tragic death of her first husband three months after their wedding. She dedicated herself to finding the answers to the deepest spiritual questions by journeying into the mysteries of the spirit world while exploring consciousness and its expansive potential. She spent years meditating and being taught by Archangel Raphael, who took her on many journeys into other worlds and planes of existence. Today, Anne Gale teaches her unique home study course on how to read Akashic Records, transformational writing, beginner through advanced tarot, as well as authoring the books A Time of Change and The Nature of Reality, both transcripts from the Akashic Records. After the death of his firstborn son, Ryan Columbus, Ahanu wrote his epic work, The Reincarnation of Columbus, an Amazon number one bestseller available from Amazon.com and the reincarnationofcolumbus.com. With his past in the oil field and computer industries behind him, but with grief and pain as grist for his soul, he practiced transcendental meditation to Siddha-level awareness, unfolding his life as a visionary artist and spiritual teacher. He started his first organic holistic health farm in Ireland in 1993, which continues to this day as holistic, i.e. importing raw, vegan, health force nutritionals for the Irish market. He founded the World of Empowerment Organization and the Spirit of Love Project in 2009, offering a new dimension of spiritual and ancestral healing with his spiritual artwork. Ahanu's wide range of well-known metaphysical ebooks have been published on Amazon, and his artist portfolio website, ahanu.com, showcases hundreds of his spirit art, which are also available on fineartamerica.com. Ahanu is an author, artist, and motivational speaker, intuitive personal and business coach, publisher and radio host of the Honest to God series. Together, Ahanu and Angel Rose have held workshops in manifesting, self-healing, working with homeopathic color remedies, beginner through advanced tarot, visionary art, psychic surgery, quantum jumping, how to read the Akashic Records, and more. Through their weekly online Akashic Record Group sessions, podcasts, workshops, retreats, and private business consulting, they have empowered thousands of people worldwide. For further information or to arrange an interview, book signing, speaking engagement, attend a workshop or home study course, or order a Spirit of Love painting or Akashic Records reading, please contact them from their website at worldofempowerment.com. That's all one word, worldofempowerment.com, or by phone in the USA at 224 588 8026. All right, welcome back everyone to our 
wonderful show today with Linda Kay, who is educating us all on her experience with cancer and how she overcame it. Okay, so she was talking before the break about how sick she got from 10% dose of chemo. So I want to pick up where we left off, Linda. Right. Well, when I went back for my appointment the next Monday, because we stayed in Reno for several days to do this initial dosage, and I let Dr. Forsythe know what had happened, how sick I had been, he said I can make some alters, alterate Alterations. Alterations on what we originally planned. He said, because you, your body obviously is extremely, you know, sensitive and it was very pure. I don't take any medication. I had n no prescription drugs or anything. So um, I said, please do something because this is, t this is too much. Well, whatever he did worked. And from that point on, I continued the chemo treatments with him, the 10%. But the way they do it, it's very interesting that um, as they give you the insulin, they watch your blood sugar, and you have to keep testing your finger, just like somebody who had diabetes or something, um, to make sure what your number is. And once you get below 60 or below, then immediately they, they watch you very carefully, and immediately you have to have some orange juice for the sugar to put the to raise your, your level and eat some protein like a turkey sandwich. Well... You can imagine, after doing this, well, I did that for a number of weeks. I went up every week on a Friday, and uh, I think it was about three months' worth. I, every day? No, just Fridays. I, I drove okay. up. I, wore, I worked. I still worked full-time. Well, four days a week, and then mm -hmm. I took Fridays off. And I went up. We'd go up, sometimes stay overnight. Sometimes we'd drive Poor Norm would have to drive me back, and I wasn't feeling all that well, you know, mm -hmm. a, initially after chemo of any kind. Sure. Even though it was only 10%, it still makes you feel kind of mm -hmm. yucky. And to this day, I don't drink orange juice. And I, don't, <laughs> I don't eat turkey sandwiches because yeah. they, that memory that, yes, you know, it associates it. back. Yes, yeah. So that was that experience. And then... Um, I was fine. I got clearance, and uh, about two years later, I got another lump on the same side, and it was, un once again, triple negative breast cancer, and I kind of discovered it by accident, and again, I went, I guess about the biggest comment I made was, not again, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, here we go again. Right. Oh, well. So, but we knew what to do this time, I thought. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I was in for a few surprises more with the standard of care because, quite frankly, the uh, expense of doing a more natural approach to your health care comes out of your own pocket. So it wasn't covered by insurance? No, it wasn't. And so only the parts that I had already done, the surgery and all. So i very grateful because my husband went along with this and we had to literally spend most of our retirement money to pay for this. I mean, you can imagine mm. several months of care and treatment. But I didn't know we didn't re regret it or resent it. We just it just had to be done. That was the whole process. But when it happened the second time, it was a little devastating because now our funds were reduced already sure. and we didn't have the resources we had had. Mm -hmm. I was still working. It was a pretty interesting time. Mm. Well, and did you feel at that point, Linda, that maybe because it has reoccurred now? that this wasn't an effective solution? Like, were you tempted, oh, tempted in any way yeah. to go back to the mainstream oh, resolution? No, not tempted to go back to them. But I was curious in the back of my mind. I wondered, I wonder if we did. But although I was totally clear, I mean, my numbers, everything were right where they should be. I was in great shape. Yeah. So it was a huge surprise that it came back. But yeah. you wonder, you know, yeah. is there something more I should have done? Well, what the standard of care people said, yeah. I should have had radiation. Oh, God. And I didn't, I talked to Dr. Forsythe about it. He is not for it, necessarily. And in my situation, didn't think it was a necessity, you know. Mm -hmm. And I didn't do it the first mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. So that kind of caused a little bit of 
concern mm. the second mm. time around because mm. now the pressure was on me yes. to go forward with more standard of care because mm. I got it back again. Well, I went with Dr. Forsythe and we did the chemo. We did a new sen- chemo sensitivity test because a, a little time had passed and he wanted to make sure we mm. had the right formula and there were some new chemos out that came out. They have come out with new chemos almost all the time. Mm. Um, but he wanted to make sure I had the best combination for me. Well, I went through it, and uh, actually the tu- the tumor started to reduce, and we were getting quite excited about it. So is this you going through the 10% procedure? Yes, the 10%. Okay. So you didn't have a lumpectomy this time? Not, well, I did, you did but that? not at that time. Okay. So this time I went to Dr. Forsythe first. The last, the first time yes. I went to the surgeon first. Yes. And so when I got through the process, it, it did start to return. So he finally, we sat down and talked about it, and he finally said, you know, I think it's such a large, it, it was larger than the first time. Mm. He said, I think you really need to get it removed mm. and um, have the biopsy done to find out what's going on. Mm. Well, it was really interesting because I thought, well, maybe I'll go back to, I'll go to a new surgeon this time. You know, maybe it'll be different. I could get insurance for the person right. I was going to and all. I remember sitting in the office. I had never seen the man before. I knew of him. Mm. He was, it was in our general area and I waited for him and all he had on me literally was one piece of paper in a file folder at that moment and he walked in he literally burst into the room and Norm again thank goodness was with me because I don't think anybody would believe me he didn't say hello he didn't say my name is Dr. So-and-so nothing he looked at me and yelled at me and said why didn't you have a mastectomy? Oh my God. I, he never even said hello. I sat there, and you know what? I very calmly said to him, because that was not an option offered to me at the time. Mm. Because I didn't want him to know how upset I w- he was making me, so I just said it very calmly, mm-hmm. and it was the truth. Mm-hmm. It had never come up as an option. It was, you know, a a lumpectomy. Anyway, he, that was his solution. Just cut it off. Cut it off. Get rid of it. Yeah. Pay me money and get out of my life. That was kind of the feeling. And as a little aside, don't we have a a friend of ours from the old days, let's say a good few years ago, who found a lump and her solution was go in and cut them off. And mm-hmm. she actually volunteered to have both breasts cut mm-hmm. off just in case mm-hmm. if she only got one cut off that it might come into the other one. Isn't that the case, yeah. Angel Rose? Mm-hmm. And it was kind of quite a frightening thing mm-hmm. to have to do. But I, I thought it was extreme and unnecessary. Yeah. I've known a few people that did that. Yeah. And so, of course, I left this office and mm-hmm. didn't return. Mm-hmm. I was darned if he was going to touch me. Yeah, yeah. I went... Ended up, after interviewing several other people and going through a bunch of stuff, I went back to my original surgeon because I really did believe he was an excellent surgeon. And I did like him. Mm. I mean, he was still standard of care and a little bit brusque, but he wasn't like any of the others that I had already talked to. I went back to him, and we had a consultation, and he told me, I liked it because he told me the truth. He said, because of the size and where it was located and all that, he couldn't guarantee exactly how I would end up, you know, what he could do until he got into the situation mm-hmm. surgically, and then he could make some, de- mm-hmm. you know, uh, good decisions. He assured me that there was a... Uh, plastic surgeon on duty when I would have my surgery because they were afraid they were going to have to take skin from my back and patch the area because it was larger and so forth and it already had been operated on and so forth Hmm. and I said well he said and uh, he said what what is your feeling if you lose your breast and I said just take care of it do what has to be done I want Hmm. to move on with my life you know whatever Hmm. at this point needs to be done Hmm. 
Did you find, though, and Angel Rose asked a very valid question earlier on about your attitude. Mm. Did you find that your attitude was waning at this stage? Like, were you beginning to lose mm-hmm. trust in, in your ability to heal yourself naturally? No. No, no I just wanted to get, move on. I right. just yeah. wanted to get through this time because mm. it's not a pleasant time. Sure. I mean, as you, you're ending up dealing with a lot of stuff you don't normally have to deal with. And I was still working and everything. I, I just wanted to keep going. Yeah. And so, no, I, it was frustrating at times with the attitudes that I came across, right. but not anything really else. And um, What were the attitudes, Linda? They were negative. <clears throat> they were people, they don't, it's like you're just, it, it's almost like they don't have any feeling about it at all. I mean, when that one surgeon yelled at me over something that hmm. hadn't even been an issue for me. I didn't tell the doctors not hmm. to have, not to take the breast. I, he didn't hmm. even know. He didn't even ask me hmm. what the situation hmm. was. That was the, it was like you're treated like you're not even a person. It, very inhuman. Hmm. And I, I was getting more and more disgusted with that. Hmm. And Dr. For, on the other hand, Dr. Forsythe was just... He was just so nice and so personable and kind and trying, you know, different things to make it, things work for you. So here's the the good stuff. So I went into surgery, and I didn't know how I was going to end up when I got out. And my surgeon said to me, I hesitate to take the whole breast if I don't have to, just because it's so traumatic on your body. And I'm thinking, this guy is maybe okay after all. You know, at least he's thinking. So I just said, uh, whatever. I just, you know, I really believe you have to sometimes kind of let go and trust. And that was kind of my whole attitude the whole time. And so I went into surgery. I came out. It turns out I didn't need a plastic surgeon. He didn't take the whole breast. He took a, a partial mastectomy. He felt that he had gotten very clean margins, but here's the best part. The pathology report comes back. Thank you, Dr. Forsythe. The center of the tumor was dead. Wow. What does that mean? That means that the chemo that I had had killed it. And right. it was it, but it was the so it was large at the time I went in and to do this. It was so large it didn't reduce on its own or go away. So they had to surgically remove it. But the center of the dead. tumor was dead. The right. pathology report said that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, as a follow up, I had to. I felt I had to have follow up now. Mm. They wanted me to do radiation, and that was mm. tough. Mm. So you um, did proceed with radiation. I finally, I sat down. We had, the, the head of radiology at the hospital where I was going was someone that my boss knew and had worked with, and, and, and she thought the world of him, and he was a good person. And he sat down, and we had a heart-to-heart talk, and he was kind about it. And he just said, you know, I'm concerned because it is triple negative we're dealing with. It has been known to return, which you've already experienced right. now. And he said, um, we feel you have a better chance of being sure it doesn't return if you have the radiation. Well, I thought about it for a couple of weeks, and they actually called me at home and said, is there, you know, would you like to talk to somebody else? What, what can we do for you? Because he was concerned since I had had it second time. Mm-hmm. And I, Let me ask you there real quick. He was concerned had you spoken to somebody else. And no, I he want, wanted to know if I would be willing to, to oh, yeah, if, willing, if yes. it would help me. Yes, but my question is, did you have a support group around you at that point in time? Like, Did you have friends or relations or anybody who was going through the same thing that you were going through so that you could sh- swap notes or share? No. Nobody. So no. you were effectively on your own. Mm-hmm battling this on yourself. Yeah. yeah. And I mean I I think um most of the people think standard of care is the only way to go. So it didn't really do me much good mm-hmm. to talk to anybody else because right. they weren't holistically minded as much as I was. Yes. And um you know, I had read a lot about radiation, but at the same time I never I mean dealing with a triple negative cancer 
just kind of changed things for mm -hmm. me. And I got to thinking, well, I don't know what this little animal's like, so mm -hmm. I better do everything possible. So what happened then with the radiation? I went through it. Um, it was really interesting because every day for weeks I had to go to the cancer center. And as soon as you came up the walkway from the parking garage, there was this big plain sign that just said cancer center. And I realized it was meant for me. I had to go in that door. And that was hard for me because I still didn't think of myself you know, as a cancer survivor so much. And um, it's something you just don't want to think about too much. Right, right. But I found myself, you know, I went through the paces, went through what I was supposed to do. So was this you coming into an acceptance? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I just said, if I have to, if, mm. if this is the best option I have at this time, mm -hmm. I just have to go with it. Right. Okay. I didn't do it before. It came back. Mm -hmm. Maybe they know something I don't know. Mm -hmm. So I had to just let it go. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I would ever do it again. I mm -hmm. if I can't say I wouldn't because mm -hmm. you never know until you get into a mm -hmm. situation. But at this time, I wouldn't be in a big hurry to do it again. I think it caused some other problems for me physically that I have dealt with. Uh, not anything real major, but just enough to know that there was a problem. But as you said in the beginning, Linda, had you gone for the 100% chemo... Oh, I wouldn't probably, be here. You wouldn't be here at all. No. Yeah, yeah. So, but here's the funny part. I got I to gotta end with this. This is, this is adorable. I decided, I did my homework, and I found that we knew of some... We knew a couple whose daughter worked at the cancer center for UC Davis for a long time. And they gave me her phone number and said, why don't you call her and talk to her? Because I was needing follow-up care mm -hmm. and I could do standard of care for that because it would mm -hmm. be like a PET scan or whatever sure. and a blood test and stuff. So I thought, well, you know, mm -hmm. I can do that. So I decided, well, UC Davis, that's a pretty respectable place. And, and I talked to the gal and she recommended this one doctor to me. And she said, he's the best there is. And he, she said, if you can get in with him, that would be what I would do. Mm. So I called, and I got my appointment. I had to wait three months to get in. Gosh. And I went in to see him, and he was a kick. I liked him from the get-go. He was personable, and mm. he was so different from all the others. But he said, and I liked and respected him because he was honest. He said, I know about Dr. Forsythe and his methods, but I don't agree with them. Okay. I said, oh, that's interesting. Um, did you read my pathology report? <laughs> and uh, he said, yes. And I said, well, you know, the center of the, of the tumor was dead when they mm -hmm. took it out. He said, yes. He says, but I know it wasn't the 10% chemo. Huh. And I laughed. I said, if it wasn't, what do you think I was doing different? Drinking green tea? Yeah. Did that kill it? Yeah, yeah. He says, I don't know, but it wasn't the 10% chemo. <laughs> so he wasn't prepared to accept that. He was not able level. to accept it, but I laughed because I didn't expect him to be able to accept mm -hmm. it because mm -hmm. he's sure. standard of care. The pharmaceutical companies are, are behind the training of the medical centers yes. they put up the money they put up the training they what do you think the doc the, the doctors are learning they're learning how to prescribe things that make mm. money like mm. chemo and mm. and medications sure. so oh, i didn't expect him to be able to deal with yeah. it but what's funny is that he had no explanation yes you know yes. and i thought chalk went up for me <laughs> dr <Fantastic>. foresight <laughs> well now that has been absolutely wonderful. And before we finish, I'd love to, Angela Rose to give us an, another view of this from the viewpoint, uh, a spiritual viewpoint, because you've had many people, and I'm not going to breach any confidentialities, but you've had many people who would consult you for Akashic Record readings or soul readings and that kind of thing who would have been, uh, would have had cancer, cancers of various kinds. And there's always some kind of a karmic or a soul purpose going on. So do you want to give us just a quick little f summary so we can finish up our session today? 
from a soul perspective about what might be going on with somebody who has cancer. I don't know, you kind of caught me off guard there, huh? Because everybody is so unique and different. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it, they are, you know, the breasts are all about nurturing and, right. and mothering and love. And the side of the breast, which breast has the cancer, is also uh, informative in terms of if it's left, it, it has to do with their femininity and their past. And if it's right, it has to do with, you know, their masculine energy and how they express themselves in the world or don't, one or the other. Mm. Um, so symbolically, you can look at the areas of the body where illness manifests and take a look at a person's life. And, you know, in the case of the breast, you know, questions such as, you know, are you over nurturing other people or are you not nurturing yourself enough? Are you not taking care you know, has your body given you signals before that you're too stressed out or that you're doing too much and you need to back off, do you know? Mm. So you, when you're in a reading, you can kind of see those sorts of dynamics that are going on with the person themselves. Some of it could be past life related. There can be old traumas in other lifetimes that um, create a weak area of the body when you come in. And you could be susceptible to illness in those areas uh, depending on what's going on with your life, like I say. Right. Okay. So, I mean, those are the things you do see in a reading. But what's different today as well is that we are, you know, we are living in a pretty toxic environment. You know, our environment itself with all the electromagnetics going on with the wireless internet, with the smart meters and homes, uh, with the, you know, chemtrail pollution, you know, we're we're really being... You know, we're in an onslaught, let's just say, of attack, where if your immune system isn't strong enough to take care of this stuff over and over, you know, you can manifest some illnesses. So we have to make sure that we we don't give a message to people that it's all it's their fault. Do you yes, know what I mean? Yes, yes. Because I think it is important to look at all levels of yourself and see the areas of your life that could be out of balance. Okay, and, and so that's always a good thing to do, whether you have breast cancer or anything going on, really. Balance is super important. But I do think nutrition pays a, a really important part in health today and um, making sure that you're, you know, what we know from our interviews with Penny Kelly, who wrote Getting Well Naturally, one of her books, you know, that she was saying that at the basic basics of health, you have to have enough amino acids and minerals at the basics. And people don't ever really check for those things. You know, I, when you go in for blood work, you know, there's hardly anybody that says, hey, can you check my mineral levels and my amino acids? Mm -hmm. So I think it behooves us all to really get educated about the basic elements the body needs to be able to fight off disease, mm -hmm. to be able to function properly. So... Mm -hmm. But, you know, the, I suppose the advantage of being in the records is you do get to look at all of that. You get to see at what level is a person out of balance. But, you know, I, I would still, and I have to say this publicly, I would never tell anybody what to do mm -hmm. as far as their treatment. Because, you know, listening to Linda here and even myself lately with this uh, flu that's been going around that turns into this respiratory illness, I would say that I'm not a normal, conventional person. I don't like going to doctors. I don't like taking pharmaceuticals. But with this, I was so sick that I said, at this point, whatever will work. If I need an antibiotic, give me one. And I did take it, you know, and I did. it did help. So, you know, everything has its place, let's just say. Right. And, and what I admire about Linda is at least... She did go research somebody who did have another way to address the problem. I mean, she still took chemo, but she did it in a way where it's it's almost like, um, you know, what's the difference between normal dentistry and biological dentists? That a biological dentist would be checking for what is your sensitivity to, you know, substances for fillings, for plastics, for uh, if you're going to put artificial teeth in there, how does your particular biology react to those things? 
and it's a whole different way of, of yes. looking at a person, you know, as an individual and seeing right. what does their particular body need yes. and how no, much of it. There's no one solution for everybody. Like the, the Western approach would be that chemotherapy is the be all and end all of solutions for cancer. And the dose, you yeah, know, that yeah. they would have given her, which yes. she knows would kill her because she does have a very sensitive system. Mm -hmm. I have a sensitive system. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, all of these things do need to be taken into consideration. And people will complain about the fact that, well, you know, my insurance doesn't cover it. Mm -hmm. And you know, they don't want to pay the money out of pocket for their care. And I think that that is mm. something for people really need to look at because, you know, I go to a naturopath for my health. A, a lot of my treatments for things in my life have come out of my own pocket. Mm. But I did come to a place where I had to love myself enough to do that, to say, well, you know what, I'm worth that, though. Yes, yes, I, yes, I'm yes. worth this particular product or substance. Yeah that will nourish my body yeah. and, and bring it back to balance instead of compromise it with a side effect. Yes. So I think that is, you know, we've talked a lot on our shows about loving ourselves and Source actually gave us a lecture one time, if you remember, Hanu, about the fact that our standard of love for ourselves is mediocre and that we, we don't even have an idea what it means to love ourselves, much less love others. Yeah. And that this was what Source was considering one of the major things that we all needed to start to pay attention to. So little things like choosing organic food or choosing to go to a naturopath as opposed to a standard Which are more doctor. expensive in general. They are more expensive yes, because, but it's a choice. because many insurances don't cover them. Now, yeah. I did go to a naturopath in California who did take insurance. So mm. there are some available like mm. that. But I do think it is all about balance and what will balance us mm -hmm. and looking at all the different levels of ourselves. And I'm sure Linda would admit now that you probably are very aware of what you need and don't need in terms of caring for yourself and loving yourself. Okay. Could you comment on that just a little bit? Because I know for myself, I, I got to a point where I said there's certain things I can't do anymore. Right. There's certain things that are beyond my healthy boundaries and I have to cut back um, and so I'm very aware of that in myself so I think that's do bring us to works. a close with that well I do, I do believe in that um, I think for a long time I had a lot of things going on in my life and I was trying to do a job that was very demanding on top of it mm. with uh, you know a variety of situations at home with from having stepkids and their dad being out of the country half the time and I had to deal with the issues at hand that came up. They were all teenagers, so it was challenging. Gosh. I'm sure that um, I put myself on hold a lot during that period of time. And now, I don't hesitate to say, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that. And I don't, even, I don't feel guilty. I actually respect myself to the point where I, it feels natural to do that now. It didn't originally. I just felt, mm. well, I had to do this. I had to take care of this and move on. Mm. And now I think I look at it very differently. And what I do for myself when I get a little on overwhelm or stressed out over anything, I regroup and I try and remember what my source is. And I say, no, sorry, or I tell people the truth, but I do it in a kind way. You know, if I, yes. if I can't do this for you right now, or if I can't take care of something, I'm not mean about it. I just say, you know, right now this just doesn't work for me. So that's that self-love that Angela mm -hmm. Rose talked about. Right. Just it, it is, and I think for people who are used to being givers and taking care of other people, and they really do need to understand the message that somebody else will show up to help those people. You don't always have to be the one that does it. And I think a lot of people think if they've played that role yeah. for many years and they've been the caretaker or they've been the, the giver or they've the one who's looked out, that they think nobody's going to replace them if they say no. Mm -hmm. But the universe is intelligent. It mm -hmm. will find somebody sure. to fill that gap or perhaps the person who is the recipient needs to step up and do a couple things mm -hmm. themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that, you know, we hear all these excuses. I certainly hear plenty of excuses why people can't change or they can't take care of themselves or they're in unhealthy situations and there's the 
They, their intuition has been telling them for years they need to get out of the situation or a relationship, and they know it, they know it, they know it. But the, the, when you talk to them, it's like, oh, but what will this person do? Because mm -hmm. he's got, they got nobody else to cook their meals or look. And I, you know, at that point, I say, well, have it as you will. You know, do what you will. Mm -hmm. But then don't be surprised, you know, if you mm -hmm. fall down at some point, because that's what stress does. Yes, right. Well, I hope that this conversation will help people who listen. And we're going to make reference to another book that Linda mentioned, which was Knockout, Interviews with Doctors Who Are Curing Cancer and How to Prevent Getting It in the First Place by Suzanne Summers. And the other one, of course, that she mentioned was The Ultimate Guide to Natural Health, Quick Reference, A to Z Directory of Natural Remedies for Diseases and Ailments by both Reno R. Rowley and James W. Forsyth. And we will put links to these publications below but also we want to make another quick reference back to the previous interview that we started off mentioning that we had with Linda Kay a couple of weeks ago and we would encourage you to actually go back and listen to that because it was on a much lighter note it was fun wasn't it Angel Rose it was about not only the practical aspects of Feng Shui but also it was about how you have taken the, the aftermath of the cancer episode and getting through all of that and how you now have worked these this wonderful concepts of and then sums into your life to make it joyful and fun. So we have to leave it there. It's been an absolute pleasure. Angel Rose, take us to a close. So thank you everyone for listening and thank you Linda Kay for thank coming you. and talk to us about this situation in your life that was not fun but that you did overcome. And that's the point, isn't it, Nahana, mm -hmm. with that attitude and trust and faith that Linda mentioned you can heal many, many things. So thank you. Thank, thank you. You have been listening to Angel Rose and Ahanu on World of Empowerment Radio, your station for practical spirituality in a changing world.